Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. The reading today is from Psalm 57. Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to you, God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I'm forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Amen. Thanks, Lena. Nice to be with you. If you're visiting us first time in person, you're really, really welcome and well done for coming and uh, checking out a church in, these, in this climate. That's very brave and impressive of you. So thanks for coming. If you're online and uh, you're new or you're not new, you're very welcome. My name is Steve and uh, I'm going to be speaking from Psalm 57 today. So do uh, keep the Bible or your iPhone open. Keeping an iPhone open doesn't happen, does it? But uh, do keep that open there. Let me pray and then we'll get going. Lord, what we need always, always, is your word clearly coming into our hearts and our minds. Uh, The world around us would tell us we need a lot of other things. But when your word comes to us, Lord, it uh, just lifts our souls. It clarifies our minds. It gives us perspective. It reassures us. It does all kinds of wonderful things. And most of all, it points us to Jesus, our Savior and our Lord and our treasure. So we pray, Lord, your word would speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. We are living in pressured times. On top of the normal pressures of life, life is pressured, right? Life is just not easy always. And then we are living in extra uneasy times. COVID has given us all kinds of new pressures to cope with. Uh, And so the series that we're just finishing off today, the series in the Psalms, is how do we pray in times of pressure? Like, how do we learn to communicate to God and relate to God in times of pressure? Today, we're going to think of a psalm, we're going to reflect on a psalm, where David was praying in a cave. You can read the background in 1 Samuel 23 and 24, but in summary, this is the situation. David is God's anointed king. Samuel has anointed him, and God has said, you're my chosen one for the future. But Saul is still king, actually, in Jerusalem, in the palace, and all the rest. Um, And Saul is becoming increasingly jealous and uh, envious and now dangerous to David because Saul feels so threatened by David. And so David is is not safe, so he has to flee to the mountains and to the deserts of ancient Israel. 
where he has to hide out. And we learn at least on two occasions, Saul, with his men, come to try and hunt David down. And so we end up with a kind of cat and mouse situation where Saul is the cat, the big one, and he's trying to get David. And David is the mouse, and he's always eluding Saul around the mountaintop in the desert or in a cave. And so this is a man under pressure. He's having to hide in a restricted environment of a lonely cave. Now, we might not be hiding in a cave in Israel with a maniac of a king trying to kill us, but you might say COVID, it feels like a cave, doesn't it? And you've got all these restrictions going, get in your cave. Go into your cave and retreat. The freedom you once enjoyed, not anymore. Get in your cave. COVID's a cave. And it may not just be, you know, let's go specific. It might be the relational cave that you are particularly feeling, maybe in all of life, but maybe in COVID. Like David must have been lonely. He felt lonely in these last six months. I've had many pastoral conversations with people in this church. I just felt lonely. It's been tough. Some people felt very hurt by friends and let down. They tried to give and they felt suddenly disconnected. Who are my friends? And, you know, you feel like you're in a cave. You're forgotten. David felt a bit like that, didn't he? Maybe it's a practical cave. You know, you had enough financial pressures and housing pressures and other, and then COVID kicks in and all those pressures are just compounded. And maybe you're in a home, but, you know, because you couldn't get out of your home very much, home... Wasn't, didn't feel like a home. It felt like a prison and it wasn't a place to relax. And maybe home isn't a place to relax. Maybe you're not sure where how to pay the coming rent, you know, over the next six months. Or there's practical pressures. David knows about accommodation vulnerabilities, doesn't he? It's not a modern phenomenon in Dublin. He's living in a cave. Maybe it's an existential cave. You know, you always had this nagging feeling and COVID is brought, like, what makes me valuable? What is my meaning? What is my purpose? Like, now that this has happened to our world, like, what's the future going to be, and how am I going to fit into it, and why is life one constant struggle when I'm always thinking about the next season and the next moment, and when this happens, it'll all be good, and then that happens, and it still isn't good. In other words, the cave is inside you. That emptiness, that gaping, that hole. Nothing seems to fill a cave inside you. An existential cave. Maybe depression, anxiety, fear, apathy are symptoms of that cave. You're confused about your destiny. You know, destiny, you know, what's our destiny? David knew what it was to be God's anointed king with a destiny. But he must be going, what, what is my destiny? I'm in a cave. It doesn't feel like those promises of God are very real to me anymore. I'm confused. Or maybe you just think, no, it's just a general COVID cave. And it's just all unfair. And no one quite understands what I'm going through. And you don't understand how particularly frustrating this is for me. Like, and self-pity kicks in in your cave. Anger, frustration, annoyance, grumbling, complaining, judging others. Life's just boring. Life's just monotonous. I feel so restricted. It's not good for my mental health. And it isn't good for our mental health. I get it. It's tough. It can be tough for our mental health. 
this COVID cave? How do you pray in a cave? Let's turn to Psalm 57. David gives us three pointers. He says, pray to find refuge in God for your heart. Pray to relocate your glory in God. And speak, better sing, to your soul about God. They're the three points. Let's go through them. Firstly, find a refuge in God for your heart. This is your first prayer. One of the great signs that you are growing in God is that you pray less about your circumstances and more about how your heart is responding to your circumstances. Let me say that again. A great sign that you're growing in God, growing as a Christian, growing in maturity, is you pray less about your circumstances and more about how your heart is responding to your circumstances. Just look at the prayers of Paul in the New Testament. Paul is under all kinds of trouble again and again. Famously, he's in prison a number of times. Do you ever hear a prayer from Paul saying, can you pray for my release? You won't find it. He says, can you pray I have courage? Can you pray I'd share the gospel? Can you pray that Jesus would be glorified? Can you pray that my heart would stay strong? He doesn't ever. You never hear him say, would you pray I'd get released? What would you pray? He prays for patience. He prays for people to know Jesus. Or think about the Lord's Prayer. The, the, you know, our Father, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Yes, we're to pray for our daily bread. It's in there. But it doesn't come first, does it? What comes first? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Oh, now let me get to daily bread and my circumstances after I've got my heart in a posture of giving glory to God and his name being set apart. In other words, we don't start with our, heart, with our circumstances. We start with our hearts giving glory to God. And so, yes, David is going to pray in verses 2 and 3 for deliverance from enemies. He is going to pray for his circumstances. But look what he starts with. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster is past. He's saying, Lord, what I really need is that I, I don't know how long this disaster is going to go on for until it has passed. That's sort of not my... Would I take refuge in you right now and until it is passed? Would my heart be taking refuge in you? And he speaks this beautiful language. We see it a number of times in the Bible where God is likened to a mother hen and protecting vulnerable uh, chicks and fragile chicks from evil and hostile predators. And David says, I'm going to take refuge in the shadow of your wings because I'm like the chick. Very vulnerable, very fragile. I can't protect myself from the predators, but I'm going to take refuge in you. So what about our disasters, the financial ones, the relational ones, the loneliness ones, the unemployment ones, the housing instability ones, the death of love? We all have disasters. Plans being dashed. What do you pray? Where do you take, well, let me say this, where do you take refuge? Maybe it's the refuge of indulgence, food, drink, Netflix, social media, online video games, online pornography. I just, the refuge of escape. I just want to escape until the disaster has passed. Maybe it's the refuge of hard work and achievement. This is my one. Work, sport, fitness, health, diet, religious rituals. I'm just going to work hard. And the refuge of self-satisfaction that I worked hard until the disaster passed. Is that your refuge? 
the refuge of money and comfort. My bank balance is good. My living standards are good. The refuge of security. I can just be comfortable until the disaster has passed. Maybe it's the refuge of comparison and complaining. You know, if you moan about other people, if you judge other people, if you look, well, it makes yourself feel a bit better. It's the sort of the refuge of self-esteem. I'm not as bad as them until the disaster has passed. It might be the refuge of a relationship. If I can just have someone, if I can just find intimacy with someone, sexual or other, or if I can just, you know, my child, I can just wrap myself up in my child. I've got my child. I'll just wrap myself up fully in them, focus on them and nothing else until the disaster has passed. We all take refuge in something until the disaster has passed. We all look to something to protect us, to save us, to vindicate us, to preserve us, to sustain us, to make us feel better about ourselves. Most of them are good things. And nearly all of them can be the means by which God may provide some level of refuge but they can't be your ultimate refuge. If you take refuge in anything else but God, it's the ultimate sin, because you're serving another master, and the ultimate folly, because that refuge will not protect you. It will end up destroying you. The devil loves to use the adversities of life to drive us away from God, to take refuge in something else. The Holy Spirit wants us to use the adversities of life to drive us to God, to say like David, I'm going to stay close to you until the disaster has passed. So when you're in a cave, when disaster comes, of course pray for your circumstances, of course. But pray more for your heart that you will find refuge in God until he decides the disaster has passed. And by the way, practically, how helpful is this for all of us during covid If you spend your whole time as a Christian praying that COVID would go, and it doesn't, your prayer life's going to get pretty bad. Because it just feels like an unanswered prayer. Pretty demoralizing. But if you pray to your heart, stays close to God until the disaster has passed, who knows how God might answer that prayer? You'll suddenly have faith in your prayers. So actually, this is, you know, praying for courage, praying for patience, praying for perseverance, praying for you to resist sin. You know, suddenly, oh, actually, I've got something I can pray for every day. Lord, would you just pray this gets out of the way so I can get on? You're going to quickly be frustrated in your prayer life. When in a cave, first thing to pray for is your heart finds refuge in God and nowhere else. Second thing, it links, is that you relocate, pray that you relocate your glory in God. What do I mean by that? Verses 4 and 6 are absolutely astonishing verses. Astonishing verses when you put verse 5 in the middle in a minute. Verse 4, he says, I am in the midst of lions. I'm forced to dwell amongst ravenous beasts. It's probably a literal thing. He's in the desert. Beasts are around. Men with teeth and spear, are spears, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Verse 6, they spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. So David is like, I am this newborn trick, uh, chick. I'm about to be devoured by evil predators. I'm unable to protect myself. Verse 4, there's a ring of enemies. Verse 6, there's traps everywhere I look. I'm in a cave, and it's worse than a cave. I've got all these other things. Verse 5, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. 
What is important to David is not that he is ultimately delivered from his enemies, but that God's glory is revealed in all the earth. What does Paul say in Philippians when he is in prison and potentially facing martyrdom? Philippians 1, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed of being a coward, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. In other words, David and Paul loved God more than they loved their lives. How do you pray when disaster comes and you're in a cave? Well, you need to relocate your glory in God and say, as long as you're exalted, it doesn't matter what happens to me. As long as you're honored, it doesn't matter what happens to me. I'm going to praise you whether I live or die, Paul says. Well, at least I hope he says, he's praying for himself. I, you know, what does he say? I eagerly expect and hope that I will, I'll have courage to do this. Here's what suffering does. Suffering reveals who you really are and where you really find your meaning, hope, and joy. You may say, as a Christian, I follow Jesus. He's my Lord and my Savior, my treasure. He's my meaning, my hope, and my joy. And then suffering comes, and you find out what really is your Lord and Savior, your meaning, and your hope. All those things we just talked about, those refuges. So it's the difference between confessional belief, this is what I say, And a functional belief, this is actually how my life works. Don't forget the demons even believe Jesus is God, so confession is not enough. Yeah, Jesus, you're my everything, we say with our lips. But when suffering comes, we find out really what is our everything, because fear grips our heart, we might lose it. It's usually a child, a hobby, a spouse, a relationship, achievement, success, those kind of things. Suffering reveals where our confessional belief, this is what I say, and my functional belief, this is what's really underpinning my life, are not aligned. So, don't be threatened. Suffering provides a moment for you to relocate your glory and say, Lord, I've always said this, but you're revealing this and it's ripping my heart out, but I want to relocate my glory that what I say and what I live, it's all for you. Suffering provides a moment for alignment. If you'll pray, Lord, as long as you're exalted, it doesn't matter what happens. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. No matter what my circumstances, no matter what my dashed plans, no matter what my shattered dreams, no matter what are my unfulfilled desires, my glory, my hope, my shield, my joy, my rock, my praise is you. And if if you and I can pray that prayer, we will fear nothing. Nothing will scare us. Didn't they say that about the early church? They didn't love their lives so much as to shrink from death. They feared nothing because God was their glory. He was their everything. You want to be a person of courage? You want to act in courage? Pray, Lord, that you would be glorified. I am irrelevant in this, but you would be glorified. Your honor, your reputation, your agenda is more important to me than anything else. And if you can say that, nothing will scare you, ever, ever. How do you pray when you're in a cave? Pray that you find, your heart finds refuge in God. Pray that you can relocate your glory where you thought it was in God, but it wasn't. And thirdly, speak. Better sing to your soul about God. Verses 7 
to 11. Look how the psalm ends. It ends with praise and worship. And David is kind of partly praising God and partly speaking to his own soul. So he's kind of, a, you know, it's a, a vertical and a, and a self prayer. So look at verse 7. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. So he's speaking to God, but he's kind of speaking about his own heart. Now that God is my refuge, now that God is my honor, my heart is steadfast. Nothing can touch me. It doesn't matter what happens. My whole identity is rooted in God. I can sing. My heart is steadfast. He says, I will sing. So verse 8, he says, awake, my soul. Who's he speaking to? Himself. Awake, my soul. My soul, wake up. Awake, harp and lie. with the musicians wake up? Why? We've got to wake up the dawn with praise. I'm going to wake up this every day with praise. He's calling on his soul to wake up the day in worship and to use the musical instruments of his day to do that. And so verses 9 and 10, he ends by saying, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Just think, just think for a moment what's going on here. He's in a cave. He's fleeing for his life. He's got a maniac king after him. He's got, you know, he's, he's homeless. And he's saying, God, would all the nations come to praise you? Can you see the breadth of David's vision that God would receive glory? He doesn't just want shelter in a cave and safety from Saul. He wants the nations to praise God for God's love and faithfulness. David sees beyond his temporal moment and sufferings to God's great plan for the world promised through Abraham, that through Abraham's descendants, all the nations would come to know God. David was a descendant of Abraham. In other words, application Friday, we are caught, every single one of us here online in person, we are caught in a temporary moment of hardship in history. Okay, there was the Spanish plague, that was 100 years ago, so it is a quite a, a significant temporal moment, but it's a temporal moment of hardship. It's a drop of sadness on earth compared to the eternity, compared to the great plan that God has spanning back centuries going forward into millennia. As Frodo says to Sam, or the other way around, I can't remember which in the Lord of the Rings, there's light and high beauty forever beyond the reach of any evil shadows in the world. And there is. This is temporary. Don't forget that this is the temporary. And we have future glory and a resurrection and unimaginable pleasures of infinite love. So speak to your soul. Better sing to your soul about God's great plan for eternity. Lift up your eyes, the eyes of your heart, to see what God is doing. So what does he finish with? Be exalted. The same, same verse 5 he repeats. Verse 11, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. How to pray when you're in a cave. You're in a cave? How'd you pray? Pray that your heart would find refuge in God and God alone. Nothing else. Pray that you would use this suffering to relocate your glory in God and not in anything else. And speak. Better sing to your soul about God and his greatness and his eternal purposes. 
Final question from me. Which way does the psalm work? Is it point one to three or point three to one? In other words, do you say, because I found refuge in God, because God is my glory, I sing? Or is it because I sing of God's unfaithful love, his, his faithful love, I start to relocate my glory and find refuge in him? Which way does it work? Well, it can work both ways. But did you see the title of the psalm? For the director of music, to the tune of Do Not Destroy, of David and Nictam, when he had fled from Saul into the cave. The psalm is for the director of music. It's set to a specific tune, Do Not Destroy. It's a miktam, which we don't know what it means. It's an ancient musical term that Israel would have understood. We're supposed to be singing. In fact, better than that, we're supposed to have someone lead us in song when we're too weak to sing ourselves. A director of music is saying, can I lead you when you feel spiritually dry? I'll lead you. So that you relocate your glory. So that you find refuge. We're supposed to be singing. Here is my suggestion, brothers and sisters. A key spiritual discipline for COVID and for this cave and for whatever cave we're in is to keep singing praise to God. When I'm down in the dumps in the morning, I put on my favorite worship songs loud in the kitchen. Don't stop singing. Keep speaking to your soul. Sometimes the suffering and disaster can feel so overwhelming. Sometimes your mental health can be so affected. And you think, I'm just going to reason it out. I'm going to think it out. I'm going to... No, no, no. When you're you're in a cave, particularly a cave of depression and mental health challenges, you can't think it out. But you can sing. It bypasses the mind in some way, hits your heart, and suddenly refuge in God, and he's my glory. It's worked. It's a spiritual discipline. Sing, brothers and sisters. Sing. Sing in the morning, sing in the shower, sing in the car, sing loudly when you come here. Sing. Get your, get your emotion and Lord, you're good. I'm going to keep declaring how good you are. If you're in a cave right now, keep singing. Sing on your own, sing together, sing, sing, sing. And if you're too weak to sing, come to a physical gathering with a director of worship who leads you when your heart is too weak and says, let me give you the words to sing. So as an exhortation to Christ, to all of you in Christ City Church this week, would you wake up every day with singing? Awaken my soul, awake harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. Let's do that. We're going to sing. I'm going to invite Leanne back. I'm going to pray. Let's take a moment. And I want you to use this moment of quiet for you to re to think through where your refuge is and where your glory is and what it means for you to sing and to speak to your soul about God. So let's take a moment and do that. Will you understand if you're here with me in the room? Take a moment to be quiet. How has God spoken to you before we sing? Lord, I pray for all those here today who in some way feel like they're in a cave, 
that this psalm would have been helpful, but I pray for all of us. We pray that we would find refuge in you and nothing else during this time. We pray you'd help us to use this time to relocate where our glory is, what our hope is, and that you keep us singing, singing of your love and faithfulness, singing that the nations might hear, not, not just introspection about us and our church, but how others might come to know you too. Pray, Lord, that those that just feel depressed and in a pit and stagnant, Lord, that today by your Holy Spirit you'd revive them. You'd lift them up, as Matthew was praying earlier, out of the pit. And we pray, Lord, be exalted above the heavens. Let your your name be praised in all of this. May we be your people that will never stop singing how good you are. We'd awake every day praising you. So we do that now. And we pray that Jesus might receive glory. In his name we pray. Amen.